This is the Umbrella Academy on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about the Umbrella Academy Season 3, Episode 5, Kindest Cuts. Do not lie to me. This is my brother. Tell me what you did. He was just messing around, and it was fine. Until the gun went off. And you were going to dissolve the body? I didn't know what else to do, okay? You were going to hate me. And I'd have to go to prison, join a gang for protection, and end up in the hole. Hey, 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 hey. I don't hate you. I just can't believe it, okay? Welcome back, fellow Academy alumni, or brollies. This is TV Podcast Industries, and we're discussing episode five of season three, The Kindest Cuts of the Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. And running at this trio of Academy Cuts, I am Chris. I'm a, I am think I'm the prime rib cut, or a sirloin, mm. at least. <laughs> Prime. I think I'm I'm a neck joint cut of them. <laughs> oh gee, I'm a rump. <laughs> nice. nice. That's much cooler. I should have gone for that. Welcome back, fellow Academy alumni. Good to have you with us for our discussions about Umbrella Academy. Yes, definitely. We are getting to the halfway point mm. with episode five, Kindest Cuts. Yeah. And we will be going through our spoiler-filled discussion of episode five. Uh, but this is TV Podcast Industries, and you can pop on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com, mm-hmm. where you can subscribe to the podcast uh, on any good or evil podcast player of your choice. Yes. And of course, you can send in your emails for our feedback section to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com as well. So please get those emails flying in. Absolutely, absolutely exciting news this week that we're also covering another Netflix show beginning this week, Sandman from Neil Gaiman is coming to Netflix uh, from this Friday. Uh, We've already recorded our podcast about the first episode. We certainly have, Mm. yes. There is sand everywhere. It's in every nook and cranny (laughs) of our existence at the moment with the Sandman coming to Netflix. Yeah, really excited to talk about that. Hope you're going to stay with us for those podcasts as well. Um, We're not going to say anything about the show. We're not going to spoil anything at all. Um, Just stay with us for it. Hopefully you'll you'll enjoy it. Yes. But let us get into episode five Mm -hmm. of our spoiler-filled discussion. Derek, what are some of the details for this episode? Well, the show was created for television by Steve Blackman and developed by Jeremy Slater. It's based on the comic book series by Jared Way and Gabriel Ba. And the director of this episode was Sylvain White, who directed episode four. We spoke about him uh, last time. Uh, the teleplay for this episode is from Elizabeth Padden, uh, who's written on Walking Dead World Beyond and Altered Carbon. I'm a Walking Dead fan. I know I've mentioned it before on the podcast. Walking Dead World Beyond was a two season spin off show. I'd highly recommend it if you do enjoy Walking Dead and didn't get the chance to watch it. It's actually a really good spinoff with a nice uh, moment that ties into what's going to be the final season of The Walking Dead. So uh, get watching it if you have any time and you are interested in Walking Dead. There you go. And if you're not interested in The Walking Dead, she also did Altered Carbon, which was just fantastic. I've never seen it. I saw the first two. I saw the first two. Um, I really wanted to see it. I just kind of didn't continue i I don't i can't even remember now whether i was into it or not i think (laughs) i need to go back to it for sure because Mm. at the time i was like oh i really want to see this right right 
Well, no spoilers, but season two has Captain America in it. I know. So definitely Anthony Mackie, yeah. Captain America is in this on season two. So uh, if you enjoy, if you enjoy sci-fi, I would always recommend it's a good binge watch. Very um, good. Very good. There you are. Good stuff. Um, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis of Umbrella Academy Season 3, Episode 5, Kindest Cuts? Sure. Following his harpooning, Klaus awakens in the afterlife, where the person on the bike reveals that he has died over 50 times, but always returns to life because of his power. He reconnects with his dead mother, who tells him not to mourn her, and he should try to seek a sense of purpose rather than being a professional agent of chaos. (laughs) Five and Lila return to the Hotel Obsidian, but their only remaining briefcase is destroyed in the process. An urgent family meeting is called, where Five reveals that the Grandfather Paradox has created a Kugelblitz, and that time is running out, as its power effects are growing and will soon collapse all of existence. With no time to hold a grudge, Leela and Diego restart their relationship. When missing from the family meeting, Diego wonders where his son Stanley has got to. Searching for Stanley, Diego bumps into him in the hotel corridor, acting suspicious and laden with bleach. Stanley tells him everything about his accidental killing of his uncle Klaus, and comforts and reassures him after his ordeal. Wrapped up in a rug, Diego and Stanley go about conspicuously moving his body through the hotel, when Klaus suddenly returns to life. As the events press in on Alison, and desperate to escape her trauma and pain, she tries to reconnect with Luther, but when he pulls back from her, she starts to use her powers to force herself on Luther. Horrified, Luther flees to the Sparrow Academy to find Sloane, while the rest of his family agrees to hand Harlan over to the Sparrows so they can focus on the Kugelblitz. But Victor feels guilty about the trauma his powers have caused Harlan, and while trying to sneak him out of the hotel, enlists Allison to help him, as he goes to the rest of the siblings to tell them that Harlan has gone. With just Klaus and Five left at the bar, Klaus recognises Five's future tattoo as belonging to a biker gang called the Mothers of Agony, who used to sell him drugs. Armed with this information, and being his only lead, Five goes to the gang's club. In a back room off the bar, he finds an old friend, Pogo. Yay, Pogo's back. Kinda. A different level of Pogo. Yes. Very different looking Pogo as well. Definitely. Yes. Well, if you want, to be fair, if you if you want your monkey, you want your monkey tough and bikered and tattooed up because it's yeah. the only way to have your monkey. And with a ponytail as well, which I know. seems odd. But hey, it's Umbrella Academy. It's not the oddest thing that happens in this show. <laughs> yeah, it was great, though, to finally, you know, understand where Pogo was uh, in this new timeline. Uh, so mm. really enjoyed it. I guess yeah. we'll see more of him uh, next episode, I guess. T- a tattooing monkey. Who would have thought it? So interesting. Good yeah. stuff. But let us get into our big moments for episode five. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's kick us off here with Derek. What's your big moment? I want to talk about shocked by saying that. <laughs> you did. You did sound shocked by saying that. Uh, but I'll take us off. Yes, uh, Harlan and Victor. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, their battle and the explanation of what actually happened uh, with Harlan because we've known this now from last episode what was happening and we saw the connection with the deaths of. Uh, of all of the mothers of uh, of the Umbrella Academy, but get a bit more detail in here. And I thought it was quite interesting because we were kind of speculating why was the connection only to certain 
ones of the mothers and what had happened. Harlan explains that he had not not felt the existence of the power within inside him from the moment Victor left uh, 1963. But when that power arrived back in the world, he thought it was Victor. After all of these years, that suddenly Victor was back in the world, and it turned and he tried to reach out to to reach Victor. But it turns out actually that was the power coming into the world to create all 43 of the siblings, as they're as they're called. And he has a reaction to that, which pushes back and kills 17 of the potential mothers, effectively. Yeah, the, the mothers can't handle that power yeah. or that connection. Yeah, and he's trying to break it, and that's that's what he's done. It's, it, it's not specifically targeted, but it would definitely have hit Victor's mother because that's the connection that he was yeah. making, effectively. So and it, most likely, I think I mentioned it before, it's not really clear here, but I mentioned it before, it's likely that he's also connecting to the other powers of the other siblings of the Umbrella Academy as well. Yeah, uh, All of their mothers are dead. It's likely that their power might have reached out to him slightly differently than the yeah. other mothers of the uh, Sparrow Academy, for for example. It's like the telephone lines blowing out. Yeah. Uh, it's just the eyes, ears, and nose, and mouth of Absolutely. the mothers like blowing saw, out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, like we saw last episode. Um, and then we have a battle between Harlan and, and Victor. And I thought this is really good. You got to show that, right? So Victor has passed on this power to Harlan. You want to know how powerful Harlan really is. And it looks like they're really equally powered here, mm-hmm. right? Because <laughs> they are literally fighting in his room and pushing back against each other until they explode against the wall. Um, yeah. I thought that was really interesting to see the two of them battle that way. And Harlan's had years of practice. Absolutely, yeah. In comparison to Victor, who has had 20, 30 plus days yeah. and that's of when they, their power. And that's when Victor found out that yeah. he had powers. It was only 20 days ago. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, not a huge... And it's basically caused two apocalypses at that time. So, um, so yes. As you do. Yeah, exactly. Now, now, Harlan's not the greatest with this power either, but um, but he does know how to use it certainly better than yeah. uh, better than Victor does. But I thought that was I thought that was quite interesting yeah. to see the battle between the two of them. Um, Definitely, like I, I and I I did like the fallout of, of that mm-hmm. sort of battle as well. Just with with Victor saying, you know, I've hurt a lot of people, oh, yes. including you, Harlan, and it's on two fronts here because it. it frames how he responds to the rest of his family wanting to hand Harlan over to the Sparrows um, so that they can you know, focus on the end of the world uh, and to stop the fighting between between them. There's also the Harlan feeling the need to tell the rest of the Umbrella Academy what he's just shared with, with Victor mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. around the mothers. And, you know, you have... You know, Victor kind of playing it quite cagey that you have to be really, really careful. Yeah. You can't break it to them. But for the time being, you know, we need to keep quiet about this, you yeah. know. Um, so, again, it it, it adds a, a nice little bit of sort of tiptoeing tension mm-hmm. around uh, Harlan and Victor with the rest of the Umbrella Academy. You know, which spills out a little bit um, when they're trying to discuss, where it's not really a discussion, where they're saying we're going to hand him over to um, the the Sparrows. So Absolutely, hence the name of the episode, Kindest Cuts. That's the the kindest cut is to sever um, Harlan from the group so that they can go out and and take out the Googlebits. Yeah, I I did like uh, Five's plea to, to Victor here, just saying that, you know, 
given all these people and mm. animals disappearing, we're down to ethical triage here. And this <laughs> yeah. is the kindest cut that wins, uh, yeah. wins out. Yeah. Really good line. Yeah. I also just on a, on a comedy note from this, I like that Luther thinks Harlan has been beating everyone. Up, oh, absolutely. Not yeah. just simply the, what happens in the hotel room between Victor and Harlan. Yeah. But he thinks that both Allison and Diego's scars from the, the bar brawl mm-hmm. are, are down to Harlan as well. And he's like, yeah, we need to get rid of this guy. Absolutely. It's not <laughs> so, it, purely on a false premise. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Once again, that is Luther, the leader of the team who knows absolutely nothing about what's really going on. <laughs> really like that. Really like that. But yeah, that was my point. I just wanted to talk about uh, that kind of battle between the two of them and the fact that um, that Victor's now taken Harlan out of the building. Uh, so off off to escape. So. Yep. Uh, Chris, do you want to give us your big moment from the episode, one that you're interested in? Yeah, for me, it's really the descent into villainy and despicableness or craziness or despair or all of the above mm. of Alison. Um, she really is becoming a, a in my opinion, like a, 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 a villain. Like the, the, this, she's gone from being the starlet in season one mm-hmm. who, Basie has like her, her, her world has imploded. So she went back to the family and then got involved that way and then was kind of quite important. Then season two, she played a major role, but she was there and she's like, again, lost her husband. She kind of had to live with the racism. So her, her in the last 20 days, her life has just been getting progressively worse and worse Absolutely. and worse and worse. And, worse. Mm-hmm. and what we're seeing is this implosion of a character that is now become so full of despair and hate that is now she's using her powers on her own brother. She yes. rumors yeah. like that was hard to watch. She rumors Luther mm-hmm. um, on it that. Is. And now in season one, he would have loved that. Well, yeah, it's a very different thing. Yeah, they 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 had attempted their relationship for a number of years, or he would made attempts at a relationship yeah. with her for a number of years, and then it didn't happen. Uh, she got married, um, yeah, so, yeah. and mean, then got married again in another time uh, to somebody else, not Luther. So uh, that was most of the premise of last season. But now he's kind of walked away. She's been married twice to two two completely different people when he could have been an option. Uh, both yeah. times so well actually in the time traveling she traveled further back so married before luther arrived right that was the yeah that was the reason why she didn't choose him but um i love that the conversation that they're having at the beginning of it where she's going so are we going to save the world or not and luther goes well either we will or we won't and everybody's dead so it doesn't really matter uh and she goes well even if we do save the world it will end off in a worse timeline for me. Look what's happened the last two times. I'm getting yeah. hit worse yeah. than anybody else every time it changes. Well, so, that's it. I, yeah. I think that's, you know, as to whether she's a villain or not, I guess it depends on how complete a transformation in her personality results from this. Yeah. I mean, but ultimately you can see that she's she's hitting out and being reactive rather than mm-hmm. necessarily premeditated because i mean not only do we have her fighting with diego at the bar you know the start of it you see she's not doing well because she's effectively waking up and taking a swig from the hip flask yep and um, yeah. she's you know the family meeting around the klugel blitz and um, 
she's straight with the slammers as well, you know, yeah. uh, at the bar. And I, I do like, I think with, to your point where she says the new timeline will be worse for mm-hmm. me. Look, look how it's always just gotten worse. And, um, you know, she does kind of start that with, you know, I just can't keep losing people. And I, I, I guess. She seeks solace in that past relationship with Luther, mm-hmm. but then when he backs off and effectively she she knows that it's down to Luther having formed the new relationship with Sloane. Mm. And again, it's like I can't it's another person that she probably is thinking that she's lost. And yeah. it's it's not right. She does, as you say, Chris, does the the whole rumoring um, and and forces the the him to stay and forces the kiss, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's becoming for me. It's this kind of like I'm trying to figure out what they are doing with the character, and I understand now the storyline makes 100 percent character arc makes 100 percent sense. Yeah. She has been through hell, yeah, and it's getting worse progressively. Mm-hmm. The flip to to it, as you said, if. In the next couple of episodes, she gets even worse. Mm. Then I think they do, they are setting up a sibling as the true villain. Like yeah. she will do something terrible. There is yeah. no coming back from. There is a potential redemptive arc to this as well, where she's getting bad, bad, bad. I always like the whole redemption because it kind of shows that it's, it's the old trope that you can show that this character was a good person, did some bad stuff, but is actually doing it for the right reasons, etc. This is the questionable aspects, because then we do see her kind of what we hope is help Victor sneak Harlan out of the hotel. Mm -hmm. And my only fear with that is we don't know where she's going. Like, is she going to hand this person off straight away? to? It's like, yeah, I'll look after Harlan. And then she's just going to drive straight to the Spyro Academy. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or is she actually going to look after Harlan? Mm. And it's that ambiguity is only caused by this character being so questionable well, yeah. at this point. She's totally going off the rails. At, yeah. at, at a completely different character, as we've said, from, from the character that we've seen from the last few seasons, because she's go, gone through all of this trauma that she's gone through, you know? Um, and it is interesting that potentially Allison could be the villain of the season because technically the Kugelblitz isn't a villain. No. It's something that's been caused by the group arriving back to this particular time when they shouldn't exist here. Mm. Harlan isn't the villain because he didn't do anything on purpose. Um, the Sparrow Academy aren't the villains. They just happen to exist in this timeline. No villain, no villainy there as such. So there isn't actually a villain of the season. It is nope. just... Allison is the potential to be a villain because she's now using her powers for effectively raping um, Luther. Uh, he absolutely mm-hmm. flat out refused to stay in that room. She rumored him to stay and then rumored him to want her until she pushed back against him. So that's yeah, effectively using her powers to rape him. So um, that's pretty evil from from her. But there's a huge amount of trauma that's going on. So you know that that's where that's where the character is coming from yeah but time will tell yeah uh, and I, I, I i'm interested i love a good villain as many of our uh, academy alumni know mm-hmm. like i i really enjoy when a villain starts as a good in a good yeah. place 
and does all the wrong things for what they consider the right reasons. Mm -hmm. But this is even more salacious in the fact that in her mind, she has just, she's giving up because everything she's tried, she's tried to save the world twice and at every step of the way. And she say she's like she has saved the world twice, yeah. and at every step of the way, she she loses exactly something so important to her. She's lost her daughter. She's lost her husband. Yeah, and there's a, like how many kicks can a person get? Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and I, and going all the way throughout the season, it's been very much her response to anybody saying anything about the Google Blitz or about what's going on with people disappearing. You can hear her go. No, not again, is yeah. more of her response. Everybody yeah. else is kind of interested or wants to know how to figure it out. She's just going, oh, I, ca- I can't be involved in this again, you know? Yeah. So uh, understand the frustration and uh, that she's going through. Yeah. But John, that is my moment. What is your moment? Uh, my moment is the fallout of the harpooning of, of Klaus. Yes. It is effectively oh, yeah. Klaus in a rug. Um, I have to say, all this lead-up was spectacular. Mm -hmm. Um, I just really loved the moment that, um, you know, in wondering where his son is, Diego goes on on a search for for Stanley uh, to only find him, uh, not wandering the corridors, but sort of shifting around the corridors, laden with all the chemicals that can dissolve a body oh, um, and it. and stan you know he he can he's suspicious he knows he's doing something suspicious he's, and and stanley's response is you always told me to clean up my own messes <laughs> so i just i loved that moment oh, so good. i i loved the moment where effectively stanley has to tell someone you know it was a pure accident you, like <laughs> any kid they would mess with the the gun looking uh, no. item yeah. and unfortunately triggers it. It is an accident. Um, it's an accident, but any kid playing with a loaded weapon is not a good thing. It's still an accident, <laughs> I get it, but kids should know not to play with the weapon, well, especially I'm, if they don't know whether it's loaded or not. But he was with his Uncle Klaus. Mm. He wasn't really sort of mentoring him and looking, uh, you know, making sure he was okay and not touching the loaded weapon yep. like uh, possibly he should have been doing. But so I will come to Stanley's defense here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, but I, I really like the moment as well with. Just, you know, Diego's kind of like, what have you done? But ultimately, truck comforts him. Yeah. You know, it is his son, uh, you know, puts his arms around him and kind of, right, well, we'll let's, let's clean up the, the body, move it. Um, but I loved then this physical comedy moment of Klaus wrapped up in the, <laughs> the white rug. Uh-huh. Um, with blood stains on it, yeah. his big mop of hair sort of yeah. flopping around all over the place. Yep. Diego trying to kind of sort of carry him, then sort of hold him up in the the lift as he, he's looking to sort of go down to the floor, meeting the 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 guy at the hotel reception yes. is like, what are you doing? It's like, it's a game. We're playing a game called man in a rug. Yeah. Well, I hope you win. Exactly. <laughs> and, and then the, the whole 
other side, I guess, of of Klaus's power mm. being made evident, at least to Diego and his family, that he is in fact immortal. Uh-huh. Uh, the power that he's had to see the dead, he can also uh, regenerate from his death and is immortal. So yes. at the start, we see kid, teen, adult Klaus effectively either dying in a stupid way, like falling off the top of a, a skyscraper mm-hmm. at, at a party, or being tested on by Reggie um uh, as a as a young kid yeah and so and we'd seen that scene before we'd seen yeah. that that scene of him being surrounded by ghosts in the mausoleum on the property of, yeah. of the umbrella academy we saw that back in season two but never knew that after that he died and that this was the test that uh reginald was putting him through yeah exactly so i i loved all this you know a mm. little bit more insight into klaus oh finally um, and, and we've never known his power as well and uh guys do you think it's a bit of a nod to misfits that he has the same power as his character on misfits well, yeah that's true part i absolutely why not who is immortal think about yeah. that yeah why i think not? i think i think it's a it's a nice because it, it is from the comic books well, there you go. Then it's not a nod to Misfits. So. No, but no. no but it's I, a nice I, coincidence. It it's a nice coincidence. I think yeah. that's the the kind of like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, because it does make sense. Like you become like the, the he he speaks to the dead. Therefore, kind of he's the king of the dead. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But it is a really interesting power, isn't it? Like everybody else has a power that you could possibly come across, but Klaus couldn't come across as his power until he died right so it's one of those ones that he could have lived to be 90 years old in a normal having a normal life and uh not died until then and then suddenly realized at 90 oh wait a minute i have the power to come back from the dead but because it's close and because his dad was testing on him uh reggie was testing on him um he learned pretty early uh but he never remembered it effectively so he's died 56 times and I absolutely love his description of it, where he says, I just thought I was one of those fun cartoon characters. Yeah. Hit yeah. over the head with a, with a mallet and, uh, just wakes back up and has some more comic adventures, you know? Uh, but no, you're actually someone that has yeah. died 56 times already in your 30 odd years of life. I think as well, what I really liked about this episode as well, in terms of how it was bookended to some extent with Klaus, with at the mm-hmm. start where he's having his conversation with, with his mother. Mm-hmm. And she's asking him that, you know, he needs to seek a purpose, you know, that he yeah. is, you know, chaos is exhausting. Uh, you know, Klaus's retort is, well, I'm a professional at it, you know, <laughs> I know what I'm doing. <laughs> but I love the fact that and I, whether it's the purpose he's seeking, um, I don't know. But I love the fact that at the end of, you know, towards the end of this episode, it's Klaus with five at the bar who identifies at least part of the two that number five has um has taken from himself because it's the mothers of agony uh this biker gang Mm -hmm. and effectively they used to sell him drugs so you know his his chaotic and wild lifestyle Mm -hmm. could be the key to saving the world exactly. ultimately yeah. that his party like um sort of wander through life um the the stagger and and the and the falling yeah. uh, it might be the key and at least the only lead at the moment for number 5 to look about saving the entire world exactly and remember he did also lead them to the hotel as well if it wasn't for his 
uh, extraordinary lifestyle they may not have found this place to uh, to live uh, for the last couple of days as well. So yeah, exactly. Uh, so he is really useful, but I love that the whole purpose for Klaus is that he kind of falls through life and happens to be useful. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah, you mentioned Diego and uh, and Stanley. I just want to say the deli- line delivery from David Castaneda um, <laughs> when he realizes why his son has bleach in his hand where he's going <laughs> you were going to dissolve the body i absolutely love his line delivery where he's just realized how far this kid was going to go if he hadn't happened to walk up to him at that particular moment he could have dissolved a body yeah. basically yeah uh, absolutely love that really good uh, and one of the notes which i really like um do you know who's playing um the mother of robert sheen's character Klaus here Go on. I don't, actually. It's Tom Hopper's wife. Tom Hopper plays Luther in the show. Oh, wow. Hey. Yeah. Interesting. Like yeah. That's really interesting. That's a bit of nepotism. Yeah. <laughs> well, in the- I guess this was all filmed during COVID, remember? So they probably were ha- did have their families around. Uh, she was an actress, so why not bring her on set? Yeah. So very quickly, I just want to hop in there. Based on that, we're at the halfway point. Mm-hmm. Have you- We have previously discussed some other shows that we've covered where it's very evident COVID... Was fil- this was filmed during COVID and there's aspects yep. there. Um, yes, Star Trek yep. Picard. <laughs> we will just call it straight out. I was yep. trying to be diplomatic, but nope, that it was very. This was filmed during COVID. It was. Aspects like I've yet to fully notice it. It hasn't, in my mind, impacted it. Right. I've noticed that there's a lot of twos and threes yep. in the filming, but I've yet to see an impact where I'm like, Oh, this is definitely this is a COVID filmed one yeah. because you know they they're not here and they're not there and look they're like six feet apart at all right. times. I I didn't want to point it out because we did joke about it uh, off air. Myself and John were chatting about it. Um, it's the reason why it's well done in this show is because they've written around it and they've done a great job writing around it. And I'm I'm sorry to point this out if you haven't noticed it, but what the Google Blitz is doing is taking away all of the extras. That's basically what's happening. Oh you- my god! <laughs> so That's myself and John were joking about it. So effectively, on set of this show, you would generally have twenty or thirty people walking around in the background, and what the Google Blitz is doing is taking them all away, so they only have to have the main cast on set. Right? I'm sorry if that spoils anything for anybody for the rest of the season, but now that you've noticed it, you'll probably notice it even more. Oh <laughs> so, my god! That's fantastic. Go. <laughs> I had not noticed that. <laughs> But in fairness, it is being done really it's well. Really well written. And I have to say, and it I doesn't think, impact the show at all. I don't. Think. And yeah. I think because the dialogue is, you know, just so witty and mm. sharp that those conversations between two or three people come to life and, and sort of take on sort of a momentum of their own. Because, uh, like you were saying about Diego's reaction mm-hmm. to Stanley, I love the fact that at the end of it, they. they Diego says, you know, you're grounded until the end of the world yes. to him. And despite... Which might be two days away. <laughs> well, which might yeah. be two days away, exactly. Yeah. And and the, despite, um, you know, the, the, there's the, the dissolving plan <laughs> that he's got. You know, Diego comes up with roll him up in a rug and we'll move him and, yeah. and deal with him. And Stanley's just like, can't we just torch the evidence? You know, so Stanley's really kind of taken on board uh, this, you know, a little bit 
too much to heart mm-hmm. uh, the words of his of his new father, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that he's just met. So I really kind of some of that conversation is just really, really good. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's it. I, I think the key is the writing and the dialogue. I have not noticed. Yeah. Like, and I didn't even cop. <laughs> and then you said it. I'm like, oh yeah, makes sense. Exactly. But, yeah, I suppose like that's the key. That's the aspect. And it's the family dynamic as well. So like they keep the family together. And I think, you know, with say with Picard, that family was split up. And so exactly you didn't get the same banter because it was only ever between one or two people Mm -hmm. in that group that had split off and not between the whole and that exchange. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I think anyway. Uh, yeah. That's that's what occurred to me after the first couple of episodes. Suddenly, it was like, oh wow, we've only had one crowd scene in this season. In season three or season two, back in Dallas, we had loads of crowd scenes, and we're getting a lot less of them <laughs> in the yeah. show. What a great idea to incorporate that into the writing. That's what you do, wow. right? Yeah, uh, good stuff. Good stuff. So, any notes, anybody? Just quickly. Only other thing I want to mention. I think you are. You actually already kind of mentioned the only other thing in my notes was just. Um, I did. I did really enjoy the scene of the Hargreaves comparing all of their scars against each other. There, there was that. There's a little touch of you know Diego being really proud of the scar on his neck that he got from from beating up Nazis, and also being really proud of Alison's scar that she got from beating up Nazis. Yeah. There's just that really funny moment, and that's when when Five and Lila suddenly return from the future uh, to disrupt all the plans. But I'd, I'd really like that they're comparing scars to see who's got the best ones, almost. Yeah. Uh, it's a really funny moment. And I know we've already mentioned it, but it is the fact that we do get the the final shot is the glimpse of, of Pogo, uh, yeah. really. Mm-hmm. And that was my note as well. Yeah, I just, meeting. I was so happy. I thought, unfortunately, marketing had ruined it for me. I knew Pogo was coming back. Yeah. But I was like, I just... It was it was happening late, and I was like, "Oh, they're gonna." It, maybe it was a cutscene or something like. Mm-hmm. Like, and then just seeing it here, and I was like, "Oh, ooh. and I now it was like this was the one I was like, I wanted to just binge into the next just to see Pogo because yeah. we haven't yeah. seen Pogo since he was a baby in the last season. Absolutely, exactly. Well, let us let us do that after this episode. Uh, yes. Oh, there was one other mention that the sparrows um, want to merge the families. Yes. Um, well, basically, because there's only three of them left, so they really don't have enough people to stop the end of the world without uh, without merging with the Umbrella Academy. But I just thought it was interesting that that's their plan: is Ben and Faye and uh, Christopher. We don't really know exactly what he's saying, but um, but they're going to merge the families back together. So I just thought it was a an interesting one to watch. Yeah, just absolutely. With what, what's different? We never know what Chris is saying, really. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> exactly. Right. Well, mm-hmm. with that, let us move fellow brollies and fellow quizzes onto mm-hmm. the Obsidian Lounge pub quiz for uh, episode five. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's time for a few shots and slammers uh, in the <laughs> empty Obsidian Lounge. Um, John, what's the fifth question in our Obsidian Lounge pub quiz? What food does Klaus and his mother share on the beach while Klaus is dead? It's an interesting one because I had no idea what this was <laughs> at all. I'd never heard of it. So, um, yeah. Uh, so it'll probably be stand, it'll probably be one of those things that stands out when you watch the definitely, episode. Definitely, definitely. John, do you want to give it one more time? Sure. What food does Klaus and his mother share on the beach while Klaus is dead? Fellow quizzers, uh, that is the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer is yet to be revealed, but <laughs> please send in your th- 
answers to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and you will be in with a chance for some Umbrella Academy goodies. Excellent, excellent. You almost read the answer out there, didn't you? I did. It's in our notes, uh, fellow Academy alumni. We do have the answer right here in front of us and John almost read it out for you. (laughs) So go back and listen. You might, Derek might not edit out the blip. That was it. So, with the quiz done, uh, a few shots next, uh, let us get into some feedback. Mm -hmm. Messages from the future. Yes. So first up, we have an email from Coffee and Vodka, who had this to say, Greetings, fellow rumor-raped defenders. Oof. Coffee and Vodka coming straight in there with these. Absolutely. Wow. I think this is where I see my bust up, at least for commenting. The team seems to be beginning to focus more on the existence-ending issue, but between all the ongoing personal problems and diversiveness, it's quite the winding road getting there. Although I'll continue to watch for the excellent writing, dialogue, acting, cinematography, and all else. I think I've identified my problem with the series, and it's very Berlanti. (laughs) <laughs> and for those who don't know what he means, the Greg Berlanti from the CW. Mm. goes on to say, The season begins with a problem created in the season before with a team, once finally together in a purpose, suddenly at odds all over again. They then, as the show progresses, slowly overcome their differences to win the day. But in the winning cause the problem for the next season. Mm-hmm. What separates this from watching The Flash is the wonderful writing and the presence of character development. Mm-hmm. But as for the scenario evolving in in any way, I find myself looking at the producer credits more and more. Nonetheless, it was great to see Pogo again and Tattooed to Boot. Mm-hmm. The hypocritical irony being the Doom Patrol, which does have a Belanti producer tag, pretty much runs along the same lines and is one of my favourite series. Wherever you go, there you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Three and a half, Pogo Cancer sticks out of five. Peace and take care, Coffee and Vodka. Thanks, Coffee and Vodka. I kind of get it. It's, I suppose it's a bit of flavour. So with the, Derek and I have discussed, I think, on the air, but I'm not quite sure. Our problems with the Flash. Um, essentially, oh, absolutely. Yeah, essentially, it's like 24 episodes a season, mm-hmm. and they stretch. This is a tight ten. I do see what you mean, but I think this part of this is more the the writing, the the production, the the character dynamics. <laughs> I find more, but again, they're very much each own. Doom Patrol is a different version, a different story, and Doom Patrol is again. It's a very it it's different. It's peanut butter and jelly, mm-hmm. quite different, but also quite similar when you smash them together, kind of uh, in a sandwich. <laughs> I have never eaten peanut butter and jelly. Still, Me I think I've mentioned I that about three or four butter. years. I love peanut butter. Absolutely love peanut butter, and yeah. absolutely love jam. Uh, but I've never put the two together. I mentioned that. Never. I mentioned that back when we were doing Gotham seven years ago, and still haven't done it. <laughs> I will eventually someday. I will never, I will get never. Um, but no interesting thoughts uh, from from your coffee and vodka on this. Um, to to call out, I already know that that uh, coffee and vodka has sent in some feedback towards the end of the season. But I think the point that he's making really is commenting on every single episode doesn't feel like there's enough progression in the yeah, storyline to, exactly. to comment on. And I totally agree with you, Chris. Um, yeah, Arrow, Flash, uh, all of those shows—they just they run out of steam. There's times when you're like, 
10, 15 episodes into the show and they're still talking about the same issue they had in episode one and you're going, what What progression have they done on this entire season? Yeah. So totally understand that. I, I wonder as well whether, you know, because the dialogue and the writing is really good on Umbrella Academy, mm-hmm. that you are expecting more in terms of then the overarching aspects. Yeah, maybe. Um, but for me, things like Arrow and The Flash, at least the initial two or three seasons, it was, oh, great, this is like Star Trek when I was a kid. Right. So you just go in and watch it, and you don't yeah. have to think about that. It's all fairly light touch because yeah. the writing was horrific, um, <laughs> you know, in that sense. And I I mean, that tongue-in-cheek, you yeah. know, it wasn't yeah. that bad. But, I mean, just... It's better than um, my writing on all the TV shows that I have. It, it's just you can, you know, you can let it waft yeah. over Absolutely. you in a sense. With this, I don't want it to waft it over me. It's a bit more critical in thought. But then, as Coffee and Vodka has said, it's like, why haven't they done more? Like, Absolutely. insert themselves on it, yeah. um, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So thanks, uh, thanks, Coffee and Vodka, for, for the feedback. Mm-hmm. We also got a Facebook message over on our Facebook group uh, at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries. Uh, Dr. Bob Phillips says, my, my, Alison and Luther. I told you it was wrong back in season one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes, you did. I remember that. It's good to get the Klaus back and adds yet another layer of freaky to him. And it's lovely to see the ruthlessness of Sparrow Ben leading to the loss of his mother's eye. That's true. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, that's something we didn't mm. uh, touch on, actually, in, in the episode. But, yeah, we do have Ben trying to get some intel from inside the Klugel Blitz yeah. um, by yeah. using his mother's... Uh, eye effectively which ultimately gets ripped out uh, and yes. sucked into the black hole does he get anything out of that did they, we don't know did they get any readings from it that they're analyzing or anything like that i it's guess just... they have to do the 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 data cable into a bomb uh to, to find out <laughs> maybe yeah. download her i don't know how she's plugged in to be honest no i don't um. i'm just assuming <laughs> in terms of maybe to at least give some sort of human anatomy sort of reality that one of the other holes is going to be uh, <laughs> for the cable. Yeah. Or she just she <laughs> outputs, nose, it, she outputs in binary. She yeah. just goes zero one 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 zero 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 one 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 one. That could be it, Chris. That could be it. That could be it. Yeah. But uh, thanks so much, uh, Dr. Bob. Yes, thank you so much, Dr. Bob. If you too want to send in thoughts, you can send it to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or join us on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. If you want to hear your voice in the podcast, you can record a clip of yourself on your phone and email it to us at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or go to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com and record up to 90 seconds of your thought about the week's episode. We'd really love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. Yeah, yes, we absolutely. do. Absolutely. And this episode of Umbrella Academy on TV Podcast Industries is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including Off White Savior. Thank you so much, Off White Savior, for support. Yeah, thank you so much, Off White Savior. Uh, really uh, nice to have your support. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you so much, Off White Savior. If you want to be like Off White Savior, you can support us on Patreon for an ongoing monthly amount on patreon.com slash TV Podcast Industries, or if you want to do a one-off donation, you can go to buymecoffee.com slash TVPI. Either way, 
Thank you for your support. But if you can't support monetary, you can head on over to TV Podcast Industries where you can click subscribe to all the places rate us review us because it really does help don't forget to go to spotify as well where you can also like us rate us review us mm-hmm. that definitely helps with the discoverability and of course share the podcast as well because sharing the podcast is of course what is it chris sharing the love exactly okay. good stuff uh Fellow Brollies, we will be back with episode six of this season of the Umbrella Academy at Marigolds. Yes. I guess it's a washing up episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Might be. Gonna or get me Marys on. <laughs> at least a cleaning up episode. Yes. Absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Talk to you again next time. Yes. Thank you so much. I'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thank you so much, fellow Brollies, for joining us. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep bleaching. Bye. Bye. Searching for Stanley, Diego bumps into him in the Hoco... <laughs> Hoco... At the Hoco... Do the Hokey Cokey... <laughs> that's something we didn't Mm. uh touch on actually in the episode but yeah we do have ben uh trying to get some intel from the the center of the klugel bits (laughs) spinkly blomps (laughs) (laughs) i can't Uh.